From multiple cooperative locations in Minneapolis or near enough, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development. I'm Ellen Burns Johnson, and I make nice games. I'm Steve McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Martha Croy, I too make nice games. In this episode, we talk with Reese Valentine and Mackenzie Denker, founders of Amalor, to discuss worker-owned co-ops in the video game industry. And so, if everyone is ready, let's start. Yeah, so Reese and Mackenzie, you guys are joining us from two different locations. Yep, I'm in Boston, and Reese... Yep, yeah, nearby Minnesota. y'all in Minneapolis. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's cool. I, I'm glad to have y'all on, especially since this specific topic is relevant to me because I will be working for Future Club um, in a couple of weeks. Maybe Woo-hoo. by the time this episode is out. Possibly. Yeah, maybe. We'll <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Um, calendar math. Calendar yeah, math. I, I think I talked about it on a previous episode. But yeah, so I'll be working for Future Club and Future Club is a, you know, is a worker owned cooperative. So. Um, I'm going to be asking a bunch of questions that I probably should have asked during the interview process. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. I'm your study buddy. Yeah. <laughs> they'll, they'll, t- they'll tell you everything you need to know when you get there too. I'm sure. Yes. So we yeah. Can, we yeah. can start a process off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, uh, first thing I probably should have asked during the interview process, what is a co-op? <laughs> can you explain that to me? <laughs> yeah. So the definition like online, I don't, we don't really like any of them that much for like co-op in general. What I kind of decided it was, and I mean, it's accurate, but it's like a simple definition is it's a, it's a, a co-op is based around democratic control and ownership. So that's what a co-op in general is. Uh, in terms of worker co-ops, uh, it's basically, it's worker owned and worker controlled. So each worker has an equal voting power and equal ownership. Uh, anything you want to add to that, Reese? Yeah, and uh, equitable share of the profits. Right. That seems pretty key. Yeah. Yeah, re- really, it's democracy and um, making sure the profits aren't like being, you know, millions of dollars going to shareholders and stuff like that. Right, right. right. Yeah, I didn't really, we didn't, um, I mean, we don't have to, but there's the seven cooperative principles that are, you know, you probably should at least mention them quickly. Uh, so there's voluntary and open membership, democratic member control, members' economic economic participation, autonomy and independence, education, training, and information, cooperation among cooperatives, and concern for community. So we'll dig into some of those stuff more later, but yeah, that's, that's kind of like the what drives co-ops are those main points. Yeah, cool. set of values in common. What led you both to co-found Amalor as a co-op? Uh, I mean, I was just like trying to get something going. <laughs> and I was <laughs> yeah, that's feelers. all you, Mackenzie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean, Reese has been awesome for getting things actually going. I was like the one who uh, was the first step, but then together we kind of made a good team of figuring it all out. But yeah, basically for me, I had been working at a company called Disbelief, which is a great place in uh, Cambridge, Mass. They do a lot of contract work. Um, and I learned a lot there, but uh, I was just ready to you know kind of do my own thing and um, see what what we could do and hopefully make the industry a little bit better through, you know, democratic control, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, that's like a thing I'm really looking forward to with working with future club too, is like, I get to be a part of that, that, uh, that action too, which is, which is really neat. Um, yeah. Okay. So that, that makes sense. Um, and like starting up the, 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 the process of starting up a co-op, you know, getting people on your side on that, like what, what, is, what is that like? What was that like? 
it's it's tough because it's still pretty new in the games industry like people sure. it's been coming yeah. a lot bigger i know like glory society they've kind of been uh, a big champion of it uh publicly um so i think everyone when they hear it when they hear what it actually is they definitely are interested because it's all about sharing the profits and everything yeah um it's like any indie studio it's tough when you're first starting because you know you have limited funding uh you're you have an idea potentially um so trying to figure all that out um and kind of you want to grow something with a group of people but you also need something to get them interested in the first place so kind of that combination is always tricky yeah and then like it's very difficult for the average person because like this is such an uncommon model to uh go with i mean people already like don't understand how business works let alone a very unique special business um so people aren't gonna understand what it is necessarily people who are like who are a part of it they understand that the average person doesn't doesn't know and that there's like mm. an education component to it like i'm sure steven that the people are, at future club are going to be like more than happy to like walk you through like all of this and just try to get you on the same page for like what the heck any of this means yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, they've been yeah. pretty great. Um, just like talking with them and stuff. They're very. They they seem very accommodating in that way. In my my ignorance. <laughs> I mean, they have to be. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of the seven principles we just talked about. You know, it is mm-hmm. about education. Like people should need need to understand what this what it means. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of reasons why co-ops aren't as popular as they could be. I think we can talk about that. You know, a little later. But I think they're they're going to be getting bigger for sure well one thing i do know is that like co-ops don't as far as i understand they don't really scale well in terms of like you know how many employees you have like i don't can you have a co-op of 200 people like is that feasible that's the big thing is that everyone thinks co-op means you vote on every single decision um but you're really voting on the core business decisions like about mergers who's who's gonna be you know acting as treasurer those kind of things potentially um but you don't have to have a totally flat structure. That's, you know, there are companies that do that who aren't co-ops and the companies that are co-ops that do it. Um, but you don't have to have flat and we don't want to have flat. I mean, right now there's only four of us, so we are flat, but <laughs> yeah, you know, I think at a certain size, yeah, it's very hard to, to do that and not have invisible power structures that pop up. So yeah. you know, around 10 or 20 people, you know, that's when I think it's a little bit tough. Sure. Yeah. So like there is, um, there is like, there are board members and those board members are voted on mm-hmm. um so the idea is that like the more like day-to-day like decision making and votes that will have to happen that's handled by the board members um okay. so it's not like everyone at all times so it's still it's still like a little bit similar to a traditional company in that way but only instead of it being like a random investor that doesn't work for the company it's someone that you voted for that like you may even know personally because you work with them directly um right yeah and we still plan on having like art leads you know different levels of artists different levels of programmer um you know producer stuff like that yeah that makes it more clear to me yeah because i yeah i I was before i you know applied for this position and stuff i was under the impression that calls were relatively flat structure and to me it didn't make sense that that would work because like i did feel like naturally um people would you know they would end up feeling like there would be some form of a hierarchy i think um but yeah yeah what what i've heard from like other like cooperatives talk about is that it's like flat like for your your board members right like yeah 
like that's equal voting. And then like when you're voting on something big, like that's flat, that's equal voting. But anything where it's like, like, oh, you're like directly working on a project, like, you know, like trust your lead. Like now it's different. Like like the yeah. business decisions and the project mm-hmm. decisions have different like structures to them. Yeah. Um, sure. That makes sense. Yes. So the project decisions will be a little bit more like a traditional company that you're familiar with. Yeah. Um, and I think it's especially important because like, then you'll just get to the point where it's like the cis white men just like can just like be loud and dominate these like conversations so like yeah. you know you hired these people for a reason they're experts mm-hmm. in what they're doing like you have to trust your experts how so so with with respect to amalur and i'm sure it's different for every co-op but like with respect to amalur um how are like new employees how are new people being added into your business um you said you were four people strong at the moment um but i imagine potential expansion in the future to five. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I, I guess the first thing i would say is that um well I, if you're hiring a contract for a specific thing that's you know pretty average but yeah um you said employees like no like you can't no. think of these people that you're hiring as employees okay. you have to think of them as future business partners mm-hmm. you are sure. investing in someone who will become an owner of this company with you mm-hmm. um okay. so you you really have to think about it differently so like even like your interviews like you can't just like assess the skills right like like you need to make sure that you have the same values that like right. this person believes in the values of the how the cooperative's functioning right now okay yeah we, we we literally did like a vision thing which i think everyone should do about you know what do we value as ourselves and also you know um as a group so we need to probably update that but i think that was a really good process to go through can i can i ask how that process went yeah, so basically we all like you just kind of free write on your own. Um, you might be on a call together, but you're just, you know, writing. And then everyone reads their what they wrote down is what, you know, how they see themselves in five years or something. Um, you know, personal life, business, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we just make sure we, you know, listen to each other's visions, make sure they line up, you know, that they're compatible. And then we also wrote like a company vision, which we need to we haven't finalized it. It's like still in an early stage. Where like I wrote a draft, someone else wrote a draft, and we've like you know taken some of those pieces and combined them together. That's basically what yeah. we have so far. We're not we're not done yet. It's an ongoing process. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And I like I imagine like as you you know move forward, you might like reevaluate things and say like we want more of this and less of this or something too. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's key that we you know co-ops in general are about you know community and stuff, but. I, for me, it's key that we keep that in mind at all times and, you know, set aside part of our profits for um, community development. You know, if that means uh, helping literally like local areas or helping uh, other co-ops or other game devs, you know, just anything like that. So, yeah, I like that a lot. That's 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 very powerful. Um, yeah. And yeah. And, and like being able to work with a bunch of people that have shared goals and things means that like even if there are disagreements and stuff, you're all working towards the same cause. And I think that like, you know, it helps, it helps put things in perspective in that way. Like when you're arguing for something, you are still both believing in the same thing. So yeah, there's some um, plenty of arguments, but yeah, we've always been able to work through it because we, yeah, we have that, those big values together. As, as parents sometimes say, we're not arguing, we're discussing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not only you want to make sure you're on the same page, but I feel like you need to be, open to people joining and changing your direction a little bit Mm -hmm. um 
I mean, like, I think that's pretty important if you if you truly want to value like each voice, you need to be willing to like, okay, well, I'm going to consider this like seriously and um, maybe move in like a slightly different direction because of like this new person's perspective and um, uh, knowledge. That's what I was thinking about too. You know, like social structures, social systems can be self-reinforcing and in like the corporate world where it's, it's all hierarchy and you are mainly valued for the skills that you bring. Um, I think it's, easy to for corporations who are in that kind of system and people who are in that kind of system to overlook the fact that when you're hiring someone you're not you are hiring a person and they will have an effect on the corporate culture the organization's culture and the people around them and their team and everything like that um but because the systems and expectations haven't historically been you know accommodating of that uh that can sometimes be overlooked to the detriment of the team and the organization but it sounds like from what you're describing, that's really baked into the the structure and systems around creating and expanding um, your your group of people who you're working with, your team, your um, your collection of partners. Yeah, yeah. I think that makes it honestly like safer, like by having that be more visible and upfront. Like, yeah, like you said it's going to affect the company no matter what. Having it be more of a formal process and being talked about more i think is really useful yeah yeah and and i think it makes you like more adaptable too over time like i think a lot of like um one of the issues that feels like a lot of gamers are complaining about is like triple a is making the same games all the time um and so like you know uh with with a co-op and you know adding new people in and 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 i suppose also it's just being a smaller team helps with this too but like uh, because of that, like you, 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 you'll like start adapting to trends more quickly um, than like your AAAs who are scared of change, <laughs> you know. So that's good. We never really answered your question about how we onboard new members, though. No, <laughs> so we probably should do that. So basically, like for in our what we've seen is that most places do like a six month or maybe even a year time where you're kind of the new employee is not not a co-owner yet they're just an employee and that's to make sure that they fit and then like, it makes sense for them to to join as a as an owner um and then at the end of that process the board or it could be the whole co-op depending on where you work uh they decide if it's if it's a good fit or not okay and that kind of really helps avoid the issue where you're you don't want to have the issue where you're like trying to be overly safe and not like bring on somebody just because you're not sure if they're gonna fit you know it's but it also gives you that flexibility to, yeah, to, to say, okay, never mind. You know, it just we're just not compatible. Um, but we're still yeah. able to give them that chance and to, you know, pay them for their time. Yeah, that that's I like that a lot because, like, you know, the interview, the interview, somebody in an interview and somebody actually working for you are two different things. Like somebody could do really well in an interview and, uh, you know, kill it or whatever. But then, like, you you hire them on and then they're they're working. And um, it, it just doesn't work out. Um, like maybe they don't quite mesh as well with your team as you thought they would. Or, you know, maybe they just aren't quite getting the job done that they need to. Hopefully that's not the situation that I get into when I, get, <laughs> when I start. It probably won't be the case. But um, have more faith in yourself. I know. I, I do. We I honestly love and believe in you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I do feel pretty confident like that I'll do a good job in my, in my position. But... <laughs> I, I guess that's like kind of like 
a benefit to cooperatives is that um, you're joining as like, you know, an owner. It's more serious than just an employee. Right. And your fellow like uh, co-owners, um, they're going to want to make sure to invest in you as well. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it's like uh, you're not only like giving to this company, but also like like you can grow alongside these other people um, mm-hmm. and they, you know, presumably like everyone wants each other to, to stick around. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, I like that a lot. I know that co-ops are kind of complicated, right? So, but like, why aren't there more co-ops in the space? I know that like it, some people are starting to move towards it, but there's always ups and downs. I mean, it is harder to form. I mean, since it is less well known, it, it's more work to you know figure all that startup stuff out. Sure. Um, that was a you know definitely not an easy process. But the big thing is that it's it's just I mean they've been around for hundreds of years in in the U.S. co-ops you know as like agricultural, um, but they've only been in certain industries and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that it you know it's it's you know in the U.S. at least we're you know we're like this we're like a very capitalist society and you know that there's there's good and bad to that uh, yeah but at, at its heart. Uh, Co-ops are democratic, which is also an American thing, right? We like to value democracy, <laughs> but um, they give so much power to the worker that I do think that it's been potentially a little, you know, buried, or maybe it's just that, you know, for one reason or another, people haven't heard of it, but it's not taught in school, right? You know, like it's, it's been around for hundreds of years. We weren't taught about co-ops in schools. Yeah, I, you know, know. I wasn't. Yeah, so like that's just part of it is that, until it becomes impossible to avoid knowing about them, you know, it's going to be, it's not going to be shouted from the rooftops, I think. Um, sure. and, and, and I guess, like I said before, and like all were saying before too, it doesn't scale well with larger teams. So like, I don't know that, I mean, AAA takes up a lot of our industry. Um, and so it makes sense that like, they're not, I guess even in the indie space though, like it's, I guess it's because it, yeah, because not a lot of people know about it, and it's harder to set up and stuff. I mean, um, you could have a AAA co-op. There's a I yeah, mean, okay. Mondragon is a company in I think it's somewhere in Europe uh, where they're like thousands. Yeah, I think Spain. There are thousands of people there, and it's a co-op. It's not necessarily. I don't know that much about you know how they run their operations. It might not be an ideal situation, but it is a co-op. It's like the biggest one in the world, okay. um, and it's thousands of members large. So you know, the biggest AAA. You know, studio is probably about that size. Um, so it's not like it's impossible. It's just that someone has to, someone has to give up power, you know, like, yeah, just, we like to, we concentrate power in these areas and we're all, and uh, traditional companies just reinforce that. So mm-hmm. until someone is willing to give up some money and some power and, and share that with other people, it's, it's a lot harder for this to work out because then the people who have less have to somehow survive long enough to make something and then become profitable, you know? So that's just a big thing there. So, I mean, I think we're starting to see some more um, grants and funny opportunities in general for games, for early games. I think that is a big help um, that could help with that. If there are co-ops getting those sources of funding. Yeah. That, that brings to mind two things. And I'll talk about the second thing you had smaller first, and that is, you know, not everyone has the emotional capital, I guess, for what it was, you know, for what it's worth or the time or just the situation where they're able to start something like that to kick it off because, you know, it takes initiative and it takes 
energy from a, from a person or people to get something like that rolling, eventually you're going to get it's it's going to get its own inertia. But to get something started takes a lot. And um, I think this might be something something have something to do with the capitalist culture that we're in in the U.S. But um, there's kind of the the default thinking is if you're going to put that work in, you should be getting something out of it as a business owner. Um, yes. So you have to, you know, to do something that requires that kind of energy to get that rock rolling um, and then not capitalize upon that requires, I think, some some a certain set of values, which you've described, and then also a pretty high degree of self-knowledge to understand like wh- that that's what you want and why and be able to follow through with that. So, yeah, because it's yeah. seen as such a risk and it is a risk. And if you, you know, you want to have a reward for that risk. For me, the reward is, you know, the company itself and hopefully, you know, helping things out. And, and it's not like you don't get any reward. You still get, you know, the money you put in and you get, you're actually getting a pretty good deal. Um, you know, we have, so part of co-ops is, is patronage dividends. So you could put as much as 50% or 80% of your profits that you make directly back to your members. So, you know, it's like you're all, you're all making good money if you end up being really successful it's not like you're not you just won't be a billionaire yeah and i think you know partly what you're what you were talking about about the idea of a co-op not necessarily being something that people think about um starting when they're thinking about starting an organization is because it's more specific to certain industries and the three co-ops that come to mind immediately for me are like the local grocery co-op that you know you can go get crazy weird stuff at because that's what the members have voted for. Um, there's an amazing restaurant, uh, Hard Times, that's a co-op um, that's in Minneapolis. And then the other one that comes to mind is REI, which is a huge organization. Um, yeah. But I don't think it's, I, I'm not sure exactly how their co-op structure works, but they're not, none of those are like creative agencies. Um, or yeah, those are consumer co-ops. So if I'm understanding correctly, I'm not an yeah. expert on co-ops in general, <laughs> but basically like, they have consumers still get us like, they still get to vote i think on some stuff but it's there are different classes of, of members for some of these co-ops so you could have like employee members versus consumer members and those would have different rights and different um, um returns on investment so. yeah i think hard times is um employee owned i know that's not the right word but i think that's owned by the people who work there um but still like it's it's such a different organization a different industry than I'm going to create a co-op so that we can make video games together. You know, that's, it's just so different that I think without someone explicitly telling me someone being you guys explicitly telling me this can work in the video game industry, I never would have put two and two together until it became more popular. Hey guys. Hello. Hi. So we sometimes talk about, well, every episode we mention all the different ways you can get in touch with nice games club and participate and, find resources and post memes and stuff. Yes. Um, and one of those ways that we mention frequently every episode mm-hmm. is the Discord uh, channel that we have. Yeah. And I just wanted to share a little bit more about what's going on with that as of late. And we had a new listener join the Discord channel Ooh. this week, and that was pretty cool. That's fun. Yeah, and I really liked the conversation that kind of um, that this person generated because they came into the channel and they said, hey, I'm just starting to listen to the show. What are some of the best episodes that I should start with? Which is a great question to ask because there are hundreds of episodes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got a backlog. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, and you know, it was really cool. Was we, you know, I'm sure that we three all have our favorites. I actually don't know if I do. There's so many. There are hundreds of episodes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, some of the other listeners chimed in and mentioned some of the things that they'd that they'd really liked listening to and put, posted links to the episode pages on the website. And that was really cool. So just wanted to mention that and describe it a little bit because I think that's just a good taste of what you can what you can be a part of um, on the Discord. And if you have been listening to the show for a long time or if you're new, stop on by and tell us about it in the chat. Yes. And also, you know, we're going to try to post some more things and questions and topics for people to discuss in the coming weeks. So come and participate and tell us your thoughts and, and tell us about what you're playing, what you're making, and what you're drinking, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I, b- I believe the link is nicegames.club slash discord. Is that correct, Mark? Um, nicegames.club slash discord. Is that correct? Yeah, that, that sounds right to me. Uh, yeah. Okay. Ni- cool, nicegames.club cool. slash discord. Ellen, is that correct? Is it? Y- yes. <laughs> yes. Steven's word is law. Okay. All right. <laughs> Well, okay. Well, well, let's talk about your first your, your first project, the project you're working on now. Um, like how? So you, you know you're developing this as a cooperative. How how do you how did you go about that? Like how did you design the game? How did you how are you developing the game as a co-op team? Uh, so I had the original idea, and then it's kind of evolved um, as we brought people on. We kind of all have our roles aren't super distinct at this point since we're so small. Sure. But, yeah. you know, I am like the writer right now, but we're going to bring on another writer. Um, Reese is the producer um, and community manager as well. Um, so it, yeah, we're still, since we're so small, it's still, it's still pretty informal, but I think as we grow, we'll definitely want to solidify some of those roles. Yeah. I would say it's probably really similar for like outside of co-ops, just like any like brand new project, like made by a brand new team. Um, there is like a little bit of like, awkwardness to it like you're not you don't have this formal structure yet like um you have to start somewhere you have to get people interested somehow right so like you tell them about like your idea and this project and then people like get on board with you um so yeah so like it's a little bit awkward like we don't have we're not at that point where like we're deciding our next project that's gonna be a very different process than like your first project sure sure and i like how you phrase that it's similar to other other you know, development studios, because it really is when you add somebody onto the team, they shape the game, um, you know, regardless of who they are, just because of who they are. Um, and so, like, it really doesn't matter whether, you you know, your business structure supports that or not. It's just going to really be the case. Um, I think that's I think that's good to, you know, to have uh, to, 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 to recognize that either way, it's going to be the case. Yeah, I was hoping we could dive into we were actually kind of pivoting into this topic right now, but I was really hoping we could dive into the details of this difference between the business decision structure that you're talking about and the project decision structure. And to give you a little bit of a background about why this is so interesting to me is I have training as a scrum master. My husband is a scrum master. And one of the things that you study a lot in the process of becoming a scrum master and in your practice as one is how teams make decisions in the service of getting stuff done. And to me, 
the dynamic that I would expect if you're going to compare the two is a project has a start and an end, right? Like you start it, you're conceiving of the idea and then it ends and then you ship it. And then there's some stuff you do afterwards, but like the team is not going to be the team of supporting it long-term might be different than the team that actually brings it to life right. versus the business. You want that to be ongoing. So it makes sense that you have completely different decision-making structures because your, your goal is something different. Like your goal in making a game is to ship that game and to make it a hit. Your goal in making a business is to make it sustainable and healthy and fun and a great culture and so on and so forth. They're different games or they're different, they're different end goals. And so they're going to require different decision-making structures. And I know you guys are just getting started, but I'm curious to hear the details of uh, how those things differ and why you set them up differently and how that's playing out. So uh, definitely was already mentioned that um, business uh, decisions even uh, tend to be like flat, um, not completely flat always, right? We have um, board members for that reason, you know, like to decide like day-to-day -day stuff, um, but then like very important uh, larger decisions do go out to um, all members. Um, so uh, I think I think a good question there is like, well, what decisions are board member decisions? Mm -hmm. um, and that actually uh, is written in like bylaws, like like by these uh, co-ops and the corporations in general. Um, so like it is a little bit different uh, for each um, kind of uh, organization. Mm -hmm. um like one of the things that you'll vote on is like budget mm -hmm. um you could decide it goes to all members or you could keep it within board members and then um uh split it up like have it be okay um the final budget is approved by everyone um so like it, it, it's all about like what decision is board members versus members and like you you can uh decide like the genres of that mm, okay how are, um, what are, can you give some examples of how you guys have structured it for you or, or what you're thinking of as you're expanding a little bit? Uh, you mean for like the business side or for the project side or both? Um, we're kind of still talking about the business side. So yeah. just some, maybe a couple examples of things that you guys have categorized as decisions that can be made by a board versus decisions that need to be made by everyone collectively. You mentioned budget as one, and I assume that's outlined somewhere. Yeah, so like bringing on new members, I think we decided was the board. Is that right, Bruce? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So basically, like you can have board or full member. Um, yeah, and it depends on. Do you want to bother everyone with this decision? Is it something that affects everybody? Right. <laughs> yeah. At a, at a certain size, you don't want to be like if if, it's, if you're a team of two hundred, you don't really want everyone having a vote on a new a new member, right? Because mm -hmm. Like at that point, they're not all going to have a chance to get to know them um, yeah. that well. It could be, you know, could you, you bring in their team that they worked with if they're if we're doing like the six month, you know, end end of evaluation time. You could bring in their team, talk to their team. But at the end of the day, it's it's not a decision that everyone has enough information on to decide well at a certain size. So I think it's yeah, really about so, as you scale. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, and like Amblers and like that awkward, you know, uh, ugly duckling uh, stage of things. Uh, there's only four of us, so it's like it's pretty easy for all of us to meet the person, and like we we can all vote on uh, new yeah. members. But um, what uh really helps with business uh, structure decisions, or it's like okay, well this decision is ma would make sense to have more people involved, mm -hmm. but we have too many people to just be like member vote. 
um, committees. Um, there mm. are actually, it's pretty common for co-ops to have like an onboarding committee mm. or like, um, new, uh, like, 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 like deciding whether or not like, you know, transition from just an employee to a uh, worker owner. Um, so like you expand the pool a little bit larger, um, and then you leave it up to this, uh, committee to, to make final decisions. Right. Um, Cause... and I think that's, that, that really helps for business structure things where like, you want to be, you want to keep yourself flexible as time uh, goes on and like your needs change. Yeah. And you might not have a CEO, like you can have a CEO as a co-op. I mean, they, they still report to the board and everything. Um, and they might make a lot of day-to-day decisions, but you also could have a committee, you know, a few people that are making those decisions or the whole board, if you really wanted to. Um, the idea is that you have these specialized groups that, you know, it's a lot, it's, it is more overhead, but it, it's also better in some ways to not have one person making all those decisions when, they might not have the full context that you need um, to make them as best as they could. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I mean, I think a lot of executives need to sometimes they find themselves in positions where they need to coach themselves to take more time and learn from the people around them. Um, it's a, it's kind of, I think partly just the dynamics of a role like that, where you're expected to make fast decisions that you end up making them a bit too quickly. Um, so that makes sense kind of an aside, but, um, well, let's, let's contrast that, that with then the structures that you're using on a specific project, how you're making decisions, right? So everyone's shareholder, some people are board members, but you find yourself on a project and your roles on that project are maybe more specific and there, there's a different dynamic at play. So what does that look like? Well, it's important to like, we have right now a vice president and a president, me and Reese, um, and I'm also treasurer, and they are also secretary slash uh, clerk was the word we used. A lot um, of roles. <laughs> yeah, we both have, we both have two roles, which is a lot because we yeah. uh, Erica didn't want to be involved at that level. Like they, she was comfortable, you know, being a founding member, but she wanted to be more focused on the projects, not as much on the business side. And even at our small size, we're trying to accommodate that. So she still has a say, and she still participates in certain meetings that she has um, that she cares about, and that we need her to care about. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's not doing necessarily as much as we are. We still are delegating um, as, you know, as president, or we are taking on certain things as president, vice president, et cetera. Versus as like a project level, like Erica is our art lead. Um, uh, so she's more in control of figuring out you know, the style, getting that art Bible together, um, deciding on how we're going to build certain things. She has, she's a pretty cool background. She can do some um, technical art as well. Um, so that's kind of how it differs, I guess, in that situation where even at our small size, it's very flexible and fluid, but we have like, we're in charge business side, you know, more so um, for various reasons, but she has more control. Eric has more control over the art direction. We obviously all of us say for all this stuff since we're so small, um, but that's just kind of how it's going already. And then, of course, your project lead right now. This is your. It started as as your baby, and then you've shared it with others. Right, and we're looking into taking on another project potentially, which might have a different project lead, you know, already. So, you know, it's already mm-hmm. kind of adapting and changing. Y'all are already booming. It sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I think I think this is where it's like really fun for me to think about because, um, I mean, business structures are more like, I don't I don't want to say set in stone, but if there's like a a pipeline you can follow of like, okay, well, um, I think this issue needs a committee now. Or it's like, oh, this is a board member thing. But it's like mm-hmm. projects, that's, that's different. That's like, 
we're still so new that like we don't have it fully figured out i have like i have like dreams of like 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 how this all can come together um i'm not ashamed to say part of it might be i saw an anime and was like that's adorable i love that <laughs> idea um uh but uh i really like the idea of um really like letting like anyone like pitch and um being like oh, i think this is a project we should do um I'm not sure if it's like on the business end of this is like a board member decision. This might be a board member decision to be like, yes, we will, uh, Emily will now work on this next project. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that person is like the project lead. Like, like they pitched right. their idea and now they're project lead. Um, and like that really excites me. I like that idea a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, because generally like these companies are, are very set in stone. Yeah. Like, um, if like you will always be, like gameplay lead and this will always be what you do um or it's like you are the like animator and this is like all you will ever get to do or producer or whatever um so it really excites me to have like a company that's like oh you're a producer you pitched a game we freaking love it we vote yes now you're the like you're not now you're a creative director on this project yeah um and like, that's like my my dream situation uh to have like on the project side um and then this person would be like okay well Mackenzie, like you just wrapped up the uh our last project can you be um gameplay lead and help me with game design or whatever um and then like you decide your team from there uh so that's like my that's my dream for for project stuff we're still too baby to like really make those decisions yet but yeah that's what i'm thinking baby pokemon you haven't evolved into your final form yeah yeah we haven't evolved yet <laughs> that i i really like that 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 sounds really cool too because like when you're project lead on a thing you're not just project lead forever too yeah, so like mm-hmm, yeah, yeah you can just support other people sometimes like if you've got a passion thing like i've talked about sledgehammer right on this show maybe i'll pitch that to future covenant you know down the line <laughs> uh <laughs> well that's that's fascinating because what it also lets people do is continue to grow and experiment with different things in their career within the same organizational culture, right? So I know, I mean, we hear about this, like big studios will have a project and then the game ships and then people get fired, you know, like the things over go away or people quit Mm because the role, the role that they've been serving is essentially over. And because their role was completely tied in with their place at that organization, once the role no longer serves, they don't have a place. This is different. And it acknowledges that those two things can be treated separately. And I think I'm really excited to see how you guys play with that. Yeah, me too. I mean, that's kind of a reason why I wanted to do this in the first place. Because I wanted to have more different hats and not all at the same time, but at least to be able to try them on. <laughs> and I think I uh, kind of going off this, I think it also, this also relates back to the whole management situation where uh, the the board and people and the president, vice president, et cetera, those are all rotating roles as well. So, you know, you might yeah. be, you might be like a lead QA and president, or you might be, um, you know, a mid-level artist and be a uh, treasurer one, you know, for a few years. It, it really, it can create some interesting combinations there. And I think having that turnover, having people get a chance to have more of a direct say is way is a good way to make it more democratic as well yeah you have a term limit you know like i actually forget the exact years yeah um but yeah you can't just be like president forever like someone else will have to step in yeah 
Yeah, but you'll still be involved. You know, it's right. still you're yep. still there mm-hmm. as a shareholder and you will have a role there and you're going to continue to contribute to the success of the whole the whole tribe. So that's like a big thing to think about if I were ever to join or um start a co-op. What are like big things people should really think about if they are looking into starting their own co-op? Like any business you as when you're a small business you have to worry about burnout and overworking yourself and I think yeah. that's something that is kind of just innate with starting a company, right? You're going to have, you're going to feel more autonomy and maybe more incentive to work more and maybe more than you should. So I think thinking about that and also thinking about how you want to take care of your fellow, you know, owners, I think basically being aware of those pressures that we're going to have and thinking of how we're going to um, not overwork ourselves and get get stuff done but you know take care of each other and ourselves yeah okay yeah um i guess my my second thing would be uh that generally when like you're an indie you're like i want to work on this project it's i i i have a feeling that like the business considerations aren't really being done right it's all about the project and like what you're working on and stuff whereas like a co-op like it sucks. Capitalism sucks, but you, you do need to make those considerations and you need to make considerations for like, like, what are you going to do in the future? Like, this isn't just like a temporary arrangement. You're making some pretty like important, like, it doesn't have to be set in stone necessarily, but I mean, you, you, you don't want to be firing your co-owners like every other year. Mm. Like, that's an awful situation to be in. Right. Um, So you, you really need to put in a lot of thought. You need to be like, this is what you need to know what you want. You need to you need to have a feeling for what you're going to want in the future. Um, what you want this company to be like. Um, so like that's just like a lot of consideration and self reflection that you that you really need to do to be fair to the people around you. Which is part of why I I fight so hard for reduced hours. Like we work a 35 hour work week, uh, and the idea or or less depending on how how much we're able to to handle right now. But the idea is that when you're working so hard, you can't self-reflect. You can't take the time to figure out what you need right now. Um, I know I can't at least. So, so having the the time to do that, hopefully should make our company stronger long-term because we're able to figure out what's what we need and what we need as a company. I think that makes a lot of sense too. Um, like what, what both of y'all are saying. Like, I think that, um, yeah, like when you're, you know, you are adding somebody on like, preferably long-term it's not really something you can't just have somebody on and then they decide to leave um two years later because it's like it's a more complicated part of i mean that. so they can still leave two years later oh well, yeah just, but i mean yeah. you don't i don't know it's 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 we would love them to, be to nice. stay forever yeah but it's, we're not we're yeah. not like gonna force you to stay you know well, <laughs> right 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 it definitely is planning for, for every yeah, yeah every member that leaves is a huge it, it when you're small it's a huge deal for sure right but we also want to be able to build sustainably and have, you know, fallback uh, plans. So we, oh, this person leaves, we hire someone else. We don't just like, you know, struggle along or, right. um, you know, we adapt as we can. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for, yeah. Thank you for clarifying that. Cause yeah, I guess I'm glad I missed said what I was trying to say. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't want everybody to feel pressure to stay because you feel yeah. like you have to, you know, it's, it's just that hopefully you'll want to stay because you'll have more control over the whole process. Yeah. Right, right. And that's why the process, you know, adding somebody in is so involved. 
Uh, and so important is because, you know, you want people to stay, you want them to build, you know, you want them to build the co-op to be, a, you know, a better thing. Um, so it makes a lot of sense that it is the case. That's good. Can I can I ask how um, what MLR's values are? I should pull those up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to put you on the spot, but I was just curious because like, I mean, I, I have a I have an understanding on, on, on future clubs. And I imagine that just due to the structure and how y'all are describing things and how I've heard um, 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 future club people talk about like future club. Uh, I imagine there's a lot of uh, inter- um, what's the word? A lot of in common, a lot in common with <gasps> your yeah. Oh, <laughs> this has nothing to do with it. You're in two clubs. Okay. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> most disconnected thing possible to say right now. I am. But I was clubs. just like, oh my god. So we're gonna we're, 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 we're planning on making our our bylaws, which is like our our kind of our government agreement that we have, like that, that governs how we um act as, as a co-op. We're yeah. planning on making that public as soon as we get our lawyers to decide or to help us figure out what we can say, what we can't say, you know, sure. a, you know, so we're working on that, but in our bylaws, we have our, what we aim to do and what we, what our core values are. So I can read those off. Um, hopefully I don't butcher them. So the cooperative aims to one, make video games and other forms of art, entertainment and creative works to be sold. Two, raise up underprivileged voices and communities through education, access, and monetary support. Three, to make art, technology, and nature accessible to as many people as possible. And four, to preserve nature and make the world a better, more beautiful place. So that's that's what we aim to do. Um, I can read the values too, if that's uh, something we want to do. Yeah, go. Sure. Um, So our core values, craft with the heart, mind, and soul, create art thoughtfully, emotionally, and with integrity while taking into account the broader context in which it will be experienced. Amelioration. Improvement should never have an end goal. Seek out new ways to grow and help guide each other along new journeys. Three, expand the common lore, honoring the traditions of every culture while opening eyes to new ideas. Four, service to the global community and to each other. And five, sustainability, both economic and environmental, if we operate for long-term balance. So that's it. That's really good. And and I think that will be helpful for listeners too. Like if they're thinking about making co-ops, maybe you should think about making co-ops. Uh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Uh, <laughs> um, but like if they're thinking about it, then like you know they they can see those values and re- and evaluate what they want from a co-op. And if you know if maybe your values make sense for them, maybe some of them, you know, could be tweaked to work better for what they want and things like that. Um, yeah. So I think that yeah, I think having that, seeing that, and really having all of that stuff public and having all of that stuff available is so good too. Cause like you can, it, it just helps yeah. you make, it just helps you make no, knowing things helps you make decisions. Yeah. I mean, we, we based, I was, we based all of our original documentation or all of our original bylaws off of other people's that were public, you know, it's all, yeah. that's what it's all about. And, and all of our values and stuff that's based off of mostly those seven core values that we have as you know as a co-op has to have but it, yeah. we just wanted to simply call out certain things that we were um even more passionate about yeah yeah well i i, I noticed that like um both of uh, your statements brought up a lot of in, in in terms of like sustainability and environmentalism um um can you talk can you speak a little bit more up to that like that end i mean i just love nature and i feel like you know we, all, we won't be here without it right mm-hmm. um yeah. so i mean we, 
we've already taken like the super small step of our like our server providers are one of the ones that like plants trees for every amount like basically it's it's net zero for the amount of energy it uses so just yeah. taking that small step like taking like if you have the option do that kind of stuff and then you know once we start um once we release a game and start having some money we actually can start spreading around the ideas to support causes directly that we care about yeah, well, I mean, and that's also good, too, because, like, you know, you're putting money where your mouth is. <laughs> yeah. So where are you? I mean, this is this is like pie in the sky, perhaps. This is further than I would recommend anyone plan as a scrum master. I would never say plan this many years out. But since we're <laughs> since we're reaching, where do you guys want to be in five years? What are you hoping to to see Amalur do and be able to to achieve, broadly speaking? You want to start, Reese? Yeah, um, I uh, I think it would be cool to uh, expand outside of video games. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure how that would like even work or whatever, but um, like, what if what if one of us wants to make like a comic a part of Amalor or uh, and like, I I think that sounds like really freaking cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I love games, but like. You know, having the flexibility to like, uh, like, like we like we can more be more than just games. Like we can mm-hmm. just be a general like artist studio. And I'm like, ooh, that sounds cool. Yeah. Um, I guess uh, uh, I want like, I I, I guess this like goes, this will tie into games as well. But like, I want us to make like really drastically different things. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to be like, oh, okay, this is an Amalor game. I want it to be like you guys really make different stuff whenever you feel like it. Like, I think, <laughs> which I know that's like, not like a great marketing decision necessarily because your audience is going to be divided between like what they enjoy and like, Oh, this is just not my, my thing. But it like, it, it'll let people make what they want to make. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, I mean, that sounds exciting too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think mean, that's why recently I get along is that I have the same vision of, having it be more than just games um i have a lot of you know hobbies that i enjoy um some of which aren't relevant but other ones like i like to write you know i like to uh, do music stuff and that's why games are cool they do all that stuff together in one package but not everything needs to be this huge big uh conglomeration of ideas it could just be like somebody has this small little uh yeah novel they want maybe novels too big novella (laughs) or like Mm -hmm. a song they want to put out and they're comfortable putting it under the Amalur umbrella, and we think it, you know, fits our very wide uh, value system. Uh, then I think it could be cool to um, put stuff out under that umbrella. Yeah. Oh, I want to. Everything needs to be very queer. I, not, not everything. <laughs> everything. I definitely say, some I will, stuff. <laughs> I I will I will respect your straightness. Sorry. Um. But uh. It w- it would be cool to have like a lot of like just like like be yourself, right? Mm. For um, sure. Or it's like uh, if we have like another person come in that's like I really care about like my culture and like my background and like yeah, I, w- I want people yeah. to be able to express themselves beyond like like like, like, like infuse it with who you are. Yeah, yeah, it should be mm. a community, and everyone should have you know be able to put themselves into that community for sure. You want the people who are making the thing to come through in the thing. Hundred percent, yeah. Yeah. Personal stuff, yeah. But yeah. Besides that, for me, I also I think it'd be really cool to have some kind of physical presence, like a you know, like a you know, there's art galleries everywhere. It'd be cool to have a, a video game gallery where 
you know, connect to people who aren't playing the kind of games we're necessarily making all the time and make some games that are more, you know, anybody can just pick it up, you know, phone game, some kind of VR installation, AR, you know, I think it'd be really cool to kind of raise awareness in that way and get people thinking about different possibilities. I know I've been kind of inspired by the Boston game dev scene in that way. Like there's been a lot of cool stuff in that, in that area, in our scene. Where can, where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, we are, uh, Amalor underscore co-op on, uh, Twitter, uh, and Instagram. And then, uh, maybe some Twitch streams will be, will be coming. Um, we're still organizing that. Okay. Um, and then there, uh, our website is amalor.coop. Cool. Well, thank you again for, um, being on the show. You definitely put my mind at ease because I was like, oh, I don't know what, I don't exactly know how co-ops work. Is this going to work? <laughs> what if I got myself into? Yeah, no, but it sounds like <laughs> this is going to be amazing. And I, I didn't think it was possible, but I'm even more excited to be working for Future Club. So <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> thank, thank you so much. <laughs> I mean, it's awesome being here. I'm glad you guys let us participate. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, and we'd love to have you back on. You know, in the next several months to kind of check in to see how things are going because i'm sure as you're getting things started things will move really quickly so there you can check be... in on steven yes <laughs> i i can interview steven oh boy <laughs> ask him yeah be like hey 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 new 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 co-op person how's yeah. that going buddy i'm sure i'll have a lot to talk about <laughs> That's our show. Check out our website, nicegames.club, for show notes and links to resources on today's topics. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode and on our programming in general. Go to nicegames.club feedback and tell us what you think. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter at NiceGamesClub, where Dale tweets about game dev resources and... What will it be this time? <laughs> penguins excited for a cuddle. This, this is, it's good. It's penguins. I love yeah. penguins. That's all I have to say. Excited penguins. Yes. Or you can email us through contact at nicegames.club. Want to support the show? There are many ways to do so. Give us a review on your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends about your favorite episodes. Join us on Discord by visiting nicegames.club slash Discord. Actually, we just had a conversation on Discord about people's favorite episodes. So, yeah. And also, we're on Patreon. As a patron of the show, you'll enjoy bonus content extra jokes, and more. Sign up at patreon.com slash nicegamesclub. Someone else has to do this outro. I'm, it's really lagging bad for me right now. Play nice. And make nice. Are you muted, Mark? I, I think, think he's lagged. He's lagging. Ah, dang. Okay. We'll we'll um, cut it in afterwards. Yeah. So maybe you just do play nice even, and then okay. I'll do it and make nice. Yes.